Welcome to Who Watches the Watchmen podcast, a weekly podcast, the new HBO series Watchmen. My name is Derek Wong. And I'm Jeff Sang. So on this week's episode, we're just going to dive right into the series premiere of the new Watchmen series titled uh, It's Summer and We're Running Out of Ice. A little info about how we're going to be running these episodes now. Now that our prologue episodes are over, it'll be pretty simple. So each week, we'll go through a full recap of the episode, hit all the major plot points, talk about any trivia that might come up. That includes production, real-world events, allusions to the graphic novel. Uh, So it's obvious that this will not be a spoiler-free podcast. Spoiler warning. So if you haven't seen the episode, turn this podcast off, go watch the episode, and then then come back. Derek, you want to dive right into this one? So yeah, let's let's get into this. Uh, I guess we'll start with our impressions, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, overall, I thought it was uh, a pretty good premiere. World building wise, this is really prime example of something that builds this really unique world that's different than ours, but something that's recognizable. But and it just fills in all these kind of little voids. Sometimes you have like questions about mm-hmm. um, how the world the world is, and it it's if you kind of notice in the background like posters or little flyers or people it kind of helps fill that in and i thought even just for a first episode it really does a great job of uh world building but like any first episode you mean it's it's just getting started so it can't give us all the answers right it can't give us like this really in-depth character development or character studies just yet it's so as as too busy like setting off the pieces Yeah, yeah. yeah i i agree yeah as a world building tool I think it was pretty good, and I'm 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 excited, and I want to keep yeah, watching it. Yeah. And I think that's all it really needs to do for for a pilot. For, for sure, um, as like a writer and film slash TV critic, I guess I don't particularly like trafficking and like hyperbole and really exaggerated statements. But I was really blown away by this pilot episode. I think I think Damon Lindelof's Watchmen is pretty much everything an adaptation should be. Um, I don't. I don't want to keep revisiting the well of let's shit all over the movie. But <laughs> if you compare Zach, no, we ha- we ha- we have a quota of one one one, 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 one episode. every episode. This, this is this is my uh, knock the movie moment of this episode, I guess. But like, yes, if yes. you compare Zack Snyder's 2009 film with this series, it's pretty night and day, right? Where the movie is pretty much just like a rehash of the graphic novel. Um, where it even misses the mark of like the original comics intent and themes. I think Lindelof's series is superior in every way, at least like the pilot is anyway. Even just yeah, with one episode in, it just it gets it. Yeah, it, I could uh, yeah, I could see the kind of the um, the shades of, of the comic already. I don't I don't really enjoy stuff where it's like oh we're just adapting the comic all over again so instead of like redoing the comic it's doing what i think all adaptations should be doing right it's taking like the original source material which takes place in like the 80s with its cold war politics which are obviously kind of dated and then it like recontextualizes it in like a modern setting reflecting on issues that are relevant today and i would say it's pretty seamless it's not forcing 
these like politics down our throat. I think some people take issue, like they're calling it like woke men or whatever. Uh, some people, <laughs> some people are enjoying it, but I think they do a pretty good job of reconfiguring it for like today's society. Well, I think if you didn't do that, it would almost be a dishonor to the comic a little bit. Yeah, right? for sure. Because for sure. It, the comic itself is is very, I think, political mm-hmm. in, in in statements. So you can't pussyfoot around it, right? You just gotta you kind of dive into it and, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's just let's yeah. just get, get right into the. The episode. The episode is uh, is titled "It's Summer and We're We're Running Out of Ice," which is a line from Oklahoma, the musical. <laughs> and there's a through line through the episode, but look, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So uh, let's start from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. So first scene, uh, we're we're kind of seeing this old kind of uh, old time kind of black and white silent film. You know, in the old kind of four three. I'm guessing it's four three aspect right, ratio. Right. And, and, you know, we're seeing this, this kind of figure in black chasing what looks like a white, you know, a man in white. Um, mm-hmm. And then, we you know, we find out eventually it is like the police chief. And then there's this quote unquote black vigilante called Bass Reeves, the black marshal of Oklahoma. So tying back to the whole Oklahoma mm-hmm. play and, and, and musical, I mean, the, you know, where our setting is, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921. Right. We learned that. Um, so, you know, I, I thought a really cool kind of na- camera trick was that, you know, as the movie kind of kept playing, it eventually kind of expands and starts to fill the screen. Right. And that's and that's how we kind of get pulled out of the movie and, and into the into the, I guess, quote unquote, real world. Where we're watching a little boy watch this movie. Right. So so interesting and, fact, yeah. Bass Reeves is a real person. Oh, he is a real okay. black lawman from Oklahoma back in the day. And the most interesting thing is that. The Lone Ranger was based on Bass Reeves, um, oh. but it was completely whitewashed, and like not too many people know of him, right? Um, I just I just learned something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and then what what does it say at the at the end of the the silent film, right? Before it cuts to like the little boy watching it. It's like one of the title cards. Oh, I don't remember. It, I think it said like. There's no, there's no mob justice today. Let the law mm-hmm. prevail or whatever. And and I think that's interesting mm-hmm. because of what happens next, right? So, uh, yeah. A, so we, we a... hear, yeah, we hear alarm go off. Mm-hmm. It looks like gunfire. Sounds like bombs or explosives. Uh, this mother, you know, grabs her child and and you know the father, I guess, kind of walks through, walks into this theater, takes them, and they start traversing through what looks like some kind of downtown area, right? Mm-hmm. And this is kind of where we're seeing the destruction. We're seeing what looks like white KKK members killing African Americans in broad daylight out in the street. And this family is just trying to make it through and get out of this city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where we see the big kind of Tulsa 1921, um, kind of like large letters. Yeah, yeah. That. They they this kept that similar the to the film actually with the with the location title cards, uh, mm-hmm. where it was like the big yellow letters. Uh, in the in the Watchmen typeface, which yeah, I thought yeah. that was like a that was like a neat little little thing. I don't know if it's like intentional because it's just the the type that the that the graphic novel uses, but graphic but it's very similar yeah. to the film, so that's that's kind of interesting. So yeah, and then the family makes it to this auto repair shop, and it looks like there's another couple there trying to leave, and mm-hmm. they I guess agree to take the boy. The boy's put into a what looks like a 
a, a chest, chest yeah, at the back a, of the car. And then the father stuffs a note into the the boy's pocket, and it, they take off. The boy kind of sees the auto repair shop get blown up, mm-hmm. and uh, pretty soon after, you know, it looks like the, the car gets hit by something, and the kid wakes up, and it's the middle of the night, sees the man and the woman dead, mm-hmm. and he kind of unfolds the note, and it, it reads, watch over this boy. So that's what the father wrote, right, right? right? Watch over this boy. And then the boy hears a baby crying. Mm-hmm. You know, finds the baby, and that's kind of where we start this episode. The title comes up, and kind of what you were talking about comes up in these kind of large yellow letters in the kind of the Watchman type face, mm-hmm. and and the boy is kind of just walking away from all of this. Yeah. So if you didn't know, or if like the listeners didn't know, this was actually a real life event that occurred in in 1921. Um, it was known as like the Tulsa race riots, or uh, quote unquote Black Wall Street. It was basically an incident that saw a white mob destroy over 35 blocks of a black community. They arrested over 6,000 black residents and they killed anywhere between like 100 to 300 men, women, and children. So like it's recorded as the single worst incident of racial violence in American history. But the funny thing is like I never learned about this in school, right? Did did you you ever? Uh, No, I definitely didn't. Yeah, so this is definitely something like I found out about maybe like... I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And purely by coincidence, like I'm on Wikipedia wormhole thing and I just click through and I, I'm pretty sure that's how I found out about it, right? But like it's... Well, I, I was reading, I think it was a, like I said, a Vox article and Vox it, it article, talks a little right? bit about the uh, about the history and how it was, you know, part of the history of this is that it was covered up. Yeah. A lot, for a long time, you know, it wasn't in our history books and it was purposely kind of covered up. Mm-hmm. And then it was only back a couple years ago when they finally started to dive in and release all this information. So that's probably why you might have seen it and why we haven't seen it. Right. Right. And it's not part of more of our cultural kind of and social landscape. Right. And like the the interesting thing is that Tulsa in 1921 was like a it was like an oil town back then. And it was actually the home of the most affluent and educated community of african-americans in like the entire u.s so like it was like a combination of like the socioeconomic factors and then fueled by the jealousy of like the white people surrounding the community and like all these racial tensions Mm -hmm. and i think all this boiled over when uh a 19 year old black shoeshine kid allegedly assaulted a, a white woman so like it really like turned like the crowd against like the black community so like it went from like a heated rumor to like mob justice and then like to the full-on rioting that you see in the in the opening scene right so it's like a really powerful opening to the the television series yeah so afterwards it's like another powerful scene that takes place in in exactly present day right um Mm -hmm. so like it's like a one-two punch here and and like Damon Lindelof has like something to say when it comes to this this show. So um, afterwards, it cuts to present day, mm-hmm. right? So you wanna you wanna go through? Yeah. So yeah. So uh, we, we see it looks like a, a, a white male kind of driving his truck. He gets pulled over by a police officer, mm-hmm. and what's really great is that it kind of helps establish um, you know our timeline. Uh, he he says you know today is. September eighth, two thousand nineteen. It's yeah. nine thirty. So yeah, it sets up that we, you know, it's 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 today, mm-hmm. and then you know the officers ask you know for consent to record the encounter. Um, he kind of asks the man about what he's hauling. He says he's hauling lettuce, mm-hmm. and then the man who's driving 
asks if he can see the officer's face. And then this is kind of the first indication, like, oh, okay, what what does he mean by that? And he kind of pans up, and we see this, you know, what, what looks like an African-American officer, and he's wearing this kind of yellow mask that's kind of covering his identity. Yeah, and then, like, he's, he, so, he's like, yeah. uh, what did you just say to me or whatever about, about yeah. like, uh, revealing yeah. his face? Yeah. yeah, this is like the first, like this, when I'm talking about the world building, like this is, this is yeah, like where it starts, yeah. right? We see this, like what, why, why are officers having to wear yellow masks, mm-hmm. right? And then that's like the first question right. and, you know, we'll get into it, but it quickly answers why. But yeah, so continuing the scene, you know, the officer asks for license registration, he opens the glove compartment and that's where we get another kind of world building piece, right? We see this, what looks like a white garment mm-hmm. with some black spray paint. And if you, you know, if you've seen the trailers, you can kind of already know what that yeah, is. Or if you've read or if you know the comic, novel, you know, um, you know, it looks like a Rorschach mask. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the police officer takes that as a sign of something that's off here. So he goes back to his vehicle and he, you know, he's talking to someone in dispatch, you know, trying to get gun authorization, which is like another interesting thing about this world, right? It looks like cops are not allowed to use guns mm-hmm. at all times unless they've been authorized. Right. So he, you know, he talks to this character named Panda mm-hmm. and, you know, Panda, he tells Panda that he thinks he's, or he, he's confident that he saw a Rorschach mask mm-hmm. and this Panda character to, in order to release this gun has to go through all these different protocols. Right. And, and like, at this point, we don't know what's so suspicious about like the Rorschach mask, right? They, they haven't yeah, said we anything. Yeah, we don't, we um, don't. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So he, he's asking, he's asking dispatch to release the lock mechanism on his gun it's like in a holster in his in his car it's car, right and then um yeah so panda asks him like all these questions uh like what he's asked or like oh probability of drug or alcohol possession mm-hmm. and, then, and then the officer's like oh probably probability high. Of, like, firearms yeah, yeah. firearms are explosives and he's like oh probability is high and then he's like getting really anxious because he's like really nervous about yeah he's getting tense yeah. it's like the scene itself is getting very yeah, tense which then, i really loved and and he's like, come on already. And then the panda's like, uh, and he's like, what's the threat level? And then the cop's like, come on, it's high. Just unlock the thing. <laughs> and then yeah. like, even after he releases it, like the mechanism is faulty. It won't release the the gun, right? Now, do you do you think that is that's because something happened, or is like someone's purposely not releasing the gun, or is it just a faulty? I don't know. It could be either way. I, I mean, it yeah. doesn't. You only get to see it from the the cop's perspective. You perspective. only you only hear panda yeah. on the on the on the dispatch radio, so you don't really know. But yeah. Like so, and then shortly after the gun is released, yeah, like you know, right before he can even pull it out of the holster, he's like riddled with bullets from riddled with bullets. The guy. And we see that the the man in the truck did ha- in fact have a Rorschach mask. He put it on, mm-hmm. and he just basically uses an automatic to like, you know, fill this guy with bullets. Right. And he he does throw a head of lettuce into. So the that pot. means like he's he like wasn't he's lying. actually he's not like carrying contraband or whatever. He's actually moving produce, I guess. But like, was he were they actually planning something or? I is this just the 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 powder keg that accidentally happened and it's I just don't all bad I don't know, but I you know we I don't think, know. Right? I think this scene is like so powerful because, and I think like this episode in general, it conveys so much like racial imagery and a lot of it has been like turned on its head, right? It's different from how we know things and it's almost like confusing to a certain degree. And I think that's the point, right? Like what is Lindelof trying to say? What's the message Watchmen is trying to say, right? It's really hard to tell just from this first episode. And like, again, I think it's on purpose. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, in this first scene, you have a black officer pulling over a white man, which is the reverse of all these incidents that, that we've seen in in modern America, right? Yeah. And But then the officer has to request authorization for the use of his firearm, uh, which is different from how it is these days, right? Yeah, some states it's just like kind of willy nilly, you know. Everyone should own a gun, right? And then, and then in the end, it's still the white man that shoots the black man. So there's a lot of this in the episode, and I'm like, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be like this for the rest of the series too, where it's like a remix of the unfamiliar with the familiar. Like the more things change, the more things stay the same, right? Mm -hmm. The scripted Mm -hmm. narrative doesn't really give like clear answers to anything, but like I'm really, like this is a very tricky tightrope for for Lindelof and and company to like walk across tightrope across and i'm really interested to see where where it goes you know also you know what's funny he's listening to rap the white guy oh he's yeah li- he's yeah. listening to a, 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 like a pretty well-known song from the rapper future it's called crushed up mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is gonna sound like super nitpicky but like i'm a gigantic nerd so like, you, you just have to kind of bear with me a little but like okay uh, I have this problem a lot with like alternate reality fiction in general. The problem I have with this is like you're telling me that in a universe where like half of New York was murdered by like a psychic squid monster in the 1980s, that like the hip hop and rap scene would like come up exactly the way that it did Insane. in the real life, where you would still have future yeah. rapping the song crushed up. Like I'm pretty sure like Jay Z or like Biggie wouldn't even exist in this reality, let alone like. <laughs> you you bring up a good point. I didn't even right? think of that, but that, that's a that really good point. That always like, kind of takes me out of alternate reality fiction. But that's like oh, yeah. that's like all right. That's that's, that's neither here or there. Small. That's that's whatever. Whatever. Yes. Rant rant over. I'm not gonna. All right. <laughs> okay. So let's yeah. let's let's get into the next scene. Uh-huh, so yeah. it, it moves into you know uh, I guess you know we talked about you know the the play or the the musical Black, uh, Oklahoma, mm. and it, it goes into this rendition of Oklahoma. What looks like with an all you know black cast right and we, we, this is where we first see the character of chief mm-hmm. right played by don johnson yeah i think his i think his name sitting is sitting with his judd judd is his name yes yeah. judd judd crawford judd, judd crawford yeah um, yeah so and he's sitting with his wife and he looks like two empty seats um next to him which will get explained uh, the later. full house otherwise right it's just the two empty other full house yeah. yeah and you know everyone's watching this production and what looks like a, a another police officer with another mask with a mask mm-hmm approaches him and uh you know basically whispers something in his ear and then you know he has to leave this production and we know why it's because you know police officer's been shot and the scene moves on and you know now we're at the hospital and this is the first time we're meeting tim blake nelson's character right right which is he's just called wade or he refers to him as wade and then we also he also later in the episode refers to him as lg which i I think stands for looking Looking glass Glass. yeah and he's he's got this cool reflective mask um yeah i mean last week i talked about how like how much i was gonna miss the kind of the rorschach effect of of the mask yeah this This is a really cool cool replacement it's definitely not practical right it's not a practical effect it looks yeah because i don't think you can pull that mask down and have it not like wrinkle like crazy uh (laughs) yeah but it's really yeah it's a really cool pulls it down and it's like a reflection of everything because there's plenty of scenes in this whole episode where we get to see 
the scene yeah, play out on the, the reflection the, of his the head. The intricacies of his, versus, of his mask. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really cool effect, and I really mm-hmm. love I love that design of that 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 character so far. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, they they in this kind of paranoid world, you know, he he even has to ask, you know, have the nurses and the and the orderlies been vetted so that we know like who who these people are that are taking care of our our compatriot, right. and you know. It moves then into, I guess, the adjacent office where Chief is like changing, I guess, into his what he calls his uniform. Mm-hmm. And Tim Blake Nelson uh, asks Chief, "Oh, should he call Red and Knight?" Mm-hmm. So that's our first kind of hint that there's these two other characters, one called Red and one called Knight, which we will meet very shortly. Right. And then you know, and then and then we get that really cool effect where he pulls his his mask down and then Chief's <laughs> yeah. using it. It's basically Chief, a Chief mirror. Chief tells him like, "Oh, pull down your, your thing so he can tie his." His tie. It's yeah. kind of a it's kind of a cool little character moment. Um, and he doesn't call it a mask. He calls it a face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like Rorschach like, calls your his face mask a face. Yeah, yeah, which is really interesting. It's, is... it's kind of like a, a little homage to the the, the yeah. comic, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So and then we see and the scene moves on into what looks like uh, the setting is uh, the the home of uh, we learn the cop that's been shot. His name is Charles or Charlie Sutton. Mm-hmm. And uh, the chief is talking to his wife, Roberta. And what was interesting about this is that you kind of find out that cops, I guess, to tell someone that you're a cop is in a way illegal. Right. Like you're not supposed to, which is really interesting. It's just like, I guess, another way to protect cops. And and again, going back to your point about our, our day and age, it's like, I, I feel like, you know, we, we try our best. Like if, if something happens, if, if a cop does something that's, not socially or culturally acceptable mm. like there's the reaction to either you know give them up or to protect them and it seems like this this is kind of leaning towards like we have to protect our cops no matter what right right um, and that's a really interesting kind of idea i think that's that stems partially from from the white knight which we'll get into in the next scene but and the thing we learn about oh sorry yeah but it's also like a play on on the keen act from the graphic novel where where like the the masks were illegal then, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, it was like the vigilantes aren't allowed to wear masks, or you have to be an agent of the government to be like a costume. I guess all you adventurer. know, all police now are agents of government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's so, why they all can wear masks. Yeah, yeah. So and then uh, the last kind of bit of information I found that was really interesting from the scene is that cops now have like alibis, right? They have like they have second, covers. They have yeah, to have a, have a cover, reason. Yeah, they have yeah. covers. Yeah. Like all cops have to have a cover mm-hmm. because you know you can't tell anyone like oh I'm I'm working late at night because I'm a cop mm-hmm. you have to say I'm working late at night at a factory or yeah yeah or exactly like, you know something right um, which was really interesting which then leads us to the next scene where we first this is where we first meet Regina King's character mm-hmm. um, who's uh, Angela who's a, Abar who's a, ostensibly the the main character lead. right yeah is it a bar yeah. i think it's a bar angela a bar a bar yes. okay so, yeah angela a bar yeah. um and her alter ego uh, we'll find out later is a sister, sister knight. knight but uh what's interesting is that i guess you know we find out you know we, we if you've seen the trailers you know that she's a superhero mm-hmm. or uh, a masked I, you can't even call them they're not a vigilante she's not a vigilante she's like a cop yeah so it's like a masked but it's it's different than the cops. The cops are like uniformed and they wear the yellow mask. Like these are so like masked. I think I think there's like a a rank hierarchy where like the officers just wear the yellow masks, but like the higher mm-hmm. up you go in the police, the, like these are like force, a detective. Yeah, or you right? you get to like 
uh, come up with your own little moniker. You get to create a little yeah, alter ego. Yeah. So <laughs> that's so, so interesting. Angela's is uh, is Sister Knight, but she hasn't she hasn't suited up at this point. She's not she's yet. Doing, we don't know uh, yet. But if you, a little yeah. baking demonstration at a at a school. Oh, before yeah. this, there's a there's a little news clip of uh, Doctor Manhattan is on is on Mars. That's yeah. right before this. Yeah. Well, it's 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 well the scene kind of starts with her kind of talking about like you know the the protein structure of eggs yeah, yeah, right yeah. and then and it talks about like the walls and everything and then that's when we see him kind of like building and destroying yeah um so it kind of goes like hand in hand with what she's talking yeah. about which is really interesting but then it gives us that bit of news that hey dr mahan did go to mars and he's still on mars mm-hmm. so if you remember from the comic and it, it happens in the movie too he says at the end like you know i think i'm just gonna go to mars and and you know start to do something there instead of yeah maybe maybe create life or something it's so funny because it's like it reminds me of like the Truman Show. Like, because if you notice the, the newsreel, it's like it's twenty four seven watching Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. So it's like, hey, what's Doctor Manhattan doing right now? Oh, he's uh, he's building stuff out of sand and <laughs> yeah. destroying it. You know what I mean? Like, it's interesting. It's it's their form of entertainment, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, what's interesting about what she does with the eggs, right? She separates the eggs and then draws like a happy face with the yolks. It's like a, so it's kind it's like of a cute little Easter egg, literally, literally right? Yeah. Uh, it's like an, yeah. an homage to, to the smiley face, um, icon of, of Watchmen. Um, uh, and then uh, another bit of kind of world building is that she mentions that she, you know, she grew up or she was born in, she grow she up was born in, she Vietnam. was born in Vietnam uh, and she grew up there and then, you know, moved to the, I guess the mainland because we find out that Vietnam is now, a state uh-huh. of the U.S., mm-hmm. which is, and if you remember from the graphic novel, you know the the, the Vietnam War is a big kind of um, point in in that point of or point of divergence, kind of, right? Because the U.S. Yeah. Well, first of all, wins. Watergate never happens, and then we we win Vietnam mm-hmm. solely on the on the strength of Doctor Manhattan and his and his Manhattan. superpowers, right? So yeah, so it makes sense that you know they become a state, and you know she grew up yeah. there. And it, it, it's uh, what's really interesting is also if you look at the wardrobe, it's reflected in what she's wearing, right? It's very kind of um, yeah, it's just like the Asian, Asian influence yeah. of, of of clothing. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Uh-huh. And then she she kind of starts going and talking about the kids and, and explains that she retired from the the work for, or the police force because of what she calls the white knight attack. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen the trailers, you probably know what she's talking about. This portion of the trailers where her home gets invaded by what looks like the Seventh Cavalry. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing, you know, at some later date, because we didn't see it in this episode, we'll see that probably like it's yeah, a probably. Or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so she, so that was pretty funny because she's talking about like how how badly she was shot up and, and yeah, she's the, trying to go like the, the, yeah, teacher the teacher's like, like uh-uh, no no no, no, no. <laughs> uh-uh. it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's actually a really really funny yeah. scene. I, I actually I chuckled pretty uh-huh. good when uh, I first heard it and so going back to the last scene right this is her alibi she's a, a yeah, baker yeah. so right? so the she white knight is what uh prompted all the cops to start wearing masks right so exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the event mm-hmm. that, that, that prompted people to wear masks cops to have to have an alibi mm-hmm. and i guess cops can't say that they're cops yeah so it all kind of ties back it's all kind of um connected uh, another bit of interesting thing is that there's a white kid that in you know asks a question well, did you pay for your bakeries with red fridations? Yeah, red fridations, right? Which is a you know is a another bit of uh, world building in in this 
Watchmen mm-hmm. series is that Re- Robert Redford is president, and he's been president for it's mentioned later for thirty, for 30 years. years. Yeah, you can see it in the classroom because there's like a poster in the yeah. back. It's like the list of all the presidents. That is a really it's interesting like Nixon, poster. and then like it says Redford, well, Washington, Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, Nixon, and then Redford. And then so you like, can those are like the make four out most like important. Nineteen eighty something, and then it says to present. So he's been president like forever. So like he's upholding yeah. Nixon's abolishment of the. Of the term limits of the presidency, and then the the scene kind of ends with uh, what looks like yeah. one kid. Well, it's weird because you know the the her character and this kid keep making eye contact mm-hmm. throughout the whole scene. So I was like, is this kid gonna attack her? <laughs> and then you find out later it's more like it's more defensive for the kid, yeah. and he tackles the white kid that asked the inappropriate question. It's because this is Regina King's yeah. son. Yeah. So backtracking a little bit, reparations are like a real concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, yeah. If you have time, like, I I urge like all our listeners to to read a Tanahasi Coates essay, the case for reparations, which which he wrote for the Atlantic all the way back in two thousand fourteen. It's really really interesting. It's it's fifteen thousand words long, so it's really long, but it's like a deep look at like the legacy of slavery and like the legal and illegal persecution of African Americans through throughout U.S. history. So like, if you don't know like. The, there's a lot of discussion around like reparations, money, or like some kind of compensation to be given to like mm-hmm. descendants of of slaves in mm-hmm. this country, and this goes to like the, another divergence in the Watchmen world, right? Because like uh, since Robert Redford took office, there's like this big push to the liberal side of things, where like reparations yeah, are like, like a real thing in our country now. Like reparations, they're like they're just a talking point. A lot of the Democratic presidential candidates, they talk about them, but they're just talking about talking about reparations. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like it's it's not something that I think anyone. I mean, it can happen, but there's like a lot of things that are kind of getting in its way. So like, just just read the read the essay. I think it can explain it a lot better than than I can. But but yeah, reparations are an actual thing. Uh, it's just another world building tidbit here and my 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 guess is you know my best guess because they haven't really explained it is that you know she probably got some kind of payout for being attacked during the white knight incident right that you know she was a cop that probably got injured and uh yeah that 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 could be or or she's actually like a descendant of a slave or or you you never you don't you don't really know the that's true that's true of of uh the red fraudations or like how it came to be but Oh no, that that's that's definitely true. I always thought it was just an association because my 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 understand or at least my guess what the white knight attack was is that because we know that the seventh or we'll learn that the seventh cavalry is a white supremacist right. group. They're not just a group of radicals. They are literally you know they're like the new versions of the KKK. Right. So my my guess is that they only targeted black cops. Yeah, I mean that, that that's could, my guess. Yeah. yeah. Um. Um, we'll see if that pans out but that would be my guess and then i don't know if that's if it's tied to that because specifically the kid asked because he knows that this was a cop she was a cop so like i i i always i felt that it tied together somehow Mm -hmm. but you could be right maybe it it really i think just just the way that it's said it i'm leaning more towards Mm -hmm. like the the race angle because all right we'll find out we'll find out yeah we'll Uh, definitely find out yeah and the last bit it's something that you probably if maybe not all of our audience notice is that there's also a poster in the background it, it says 
it's like a poster it's it's like anatomy of a square <laughs> and this this is the biggest if you haven't listened to our episode about alan moore and the graphic novel i'd go back and listen to it because it definitely highlights the difference between the graphic novel and in and the, the movie. movie and the biggest difference of the graphic novel is that it's not Doctor Manhattan that destroy, destroys New York. It is a squid, a giant, giant squid, giant alien, monster alien squid. squid. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I get this there are is, a lot of questions yeah. on Twitter where it's like, oh, should I watch the movie uh, to prepare for the show? Well, I think this shows that you should read the graphic novel and yes. not watch the movie because then you'd be like super confused, like what the fuck is the squid nonsense, well, right? Um, even even like how did how did Damon Lindelof pick Robert Redford? Like I mentioned in that yeah, episode, that, the yeah, la- that's, one of the last things I said is that film either. But yeah, the character says the you know, Robert Redford is running. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Robert's Robert Redford's running for president. Yeah. So like that's where that comes from too. So he's definitely pulling a, a lot from the graphic mace, novel. Everything pretty much from the graphic uh-huh. novel. Yeah. So if you don't want to read it, just listen to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just listen, just listen to us. That's, so that's I, cool. I mentioned the whole squid thing because it leans into our next uh, next scene uh-huh. where we. We we see this you know the uh, uh, Regina King and her son are talking in the car, then we see like hear a siren. Yeah, going it's like off. one of those like alert klaxons or whatever. Yeah, where it's like a hurricane yeah. warning or something. But it's like, and, like people like someone like a lady. You see a lady like open an umbrella. One guy's like running away yeah. as fast as he can, and then we see just a raining of squids. They're like small squids. And They're not like like baby, yeah, baby almost squids. like baby squids yeah, or yeah. something. Um, and and then she kind of gets out of the car and just cleans it yeah, yeah like yeah. she like nonchalantly uh, just kind of cleans yeah it. so it's not like oh shit it's a rain of squids it's like it's more like oh not not this shit again so like they yeah. they're like used to something like this so obviously this is a callback to the psychic squid monster attack that squid monster that again, killed yeah. half of new york right so my my only question is i don't know is this well we know as the audience if you've seen or if you've read the comic you know the squid isn't real like it is real mm. it's something that adrian Veidt created but it's not an actual threat right so where are these so like the from? actual thing that kills the people is like the the psychic pulse right uh yes and it's yes it's, it's not like the squid gets dropped in new york yeah and right, right godzilla right, exactly. style so it's like a combination no. of things so are yeah. we to decipher that this is like a government thing like, is it a drill, or is it the government is now in on the the? It could we don't the, we don't know, right? The ruse, um, right? Yeah, that's the most interesting part about the scene, and doesn't doesn't get answered in this episode. Right. But for me, that was like this is the the, well, the one question right. I, I couldn't find I have, an answer to, and I'm I really have a, interested I have a little more out. information about this, but we'll we'll save it for the oh. end of the, the okay. episode. All right, uh, and um, yeah, and I you've probably kind of noticed that as we move through these scenes. It seems like each one tail end kind of connects to the next mm-hmm. one. And that's what I love about this pilot is that he tightly just creates this narrative that kid keeps intertwining with right, itself. Right, right, right. And it's because the next scene we move into, we meet, oh man, I don't remember his name. Hold on. Uh, oh, Yaya, Yaya, Yaya Abdul-Mateen's Abdul yeah. uh, character. For, for playing uh, Black Manta, Black Manta. In, the, in the Aquaman movie. But uh, yeah, so he's the husband of uh, Regina King's character. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he's, you know, at at in his front line with his daughter, and they're cleaning up squids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and then we see this truck coming by. It says, "Squid maintenance truck." Yeah. So, like, this is like a a, a, an a occurrence regular occurrence that always yeah. happens. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting. And then we 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 see, uh, 
the uh, you know Regina King's character and her, his character kind of interact, and he hands her a pager. Mm-hmm. And this is something that you mentioned, right? I think back in our there's, first episode, there's no that internet, you read cell phones, that or there's or no internet or cell yeah. phone. Um, yeah, so it kind of leans into that where you know everyone still has pagers, right? Yeah. So the the thing with the technology is like all the cars are uh, battery operated, and I think it's the result of dr manhattan's exile because in this reality dr manhattan was responsible for a lot of the technology that developed in the 80s and then ozymandias framed him for giving people cancer so no one trusts any of that technology anymore so they think all that stuff gives because like later on uh we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves but the 7th Cavalry, they're dismantling old lithium watches, right? Lithium battery-powered mm-hmm. watches. You think those are created during that time? Yeah, well, uh, yeah. And then Angela Abar, uh, Sister Knight, she's like, oh, they were they were taking the batteries out of all these old illegal watches. And, and then uh, Judd goes, oh, what do you think? They're making like a cancer bomb or whatever? That, I think, alludes to, to everyone thinking like all the Dr. Manhattan-created technology causes cancer so i think yeah. that's the origin for this that's that's a good that's a good um, catch so I like catch that. when i was reading the promotional material i was like oh i hope this isn't just like oh a quirky thing where it's like oh no internet no smartphones it's like wonder why who knows never mention it again and it's just like a thing about this world but clearly a lot of thought and like analysis has gone into like yeah, this, so yeah. I'm I'm pretty impressed. It's really cool. I think I think it's pretty yeah. interesting. And then uh, interesting. we she gets a, a notice on her her pager. It says Little Big Horn, and uh-huh. I think my understanding Little Big Horn was a battle of during Gettysburg, correct? No, no, no. It was uh, the final showdown between uh, is Custer's last stand against the Sioux tribes of the Native oh, Americans. Yes, yes, yes. And then his unit was called the Seventh Cavalry. Mm. Um, so so Little Big Horn alert. That's like code for like a seventh cavalry related it incident makes yeah. a lot of sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, thank you for so yeah she <laughs> educating me on that one <laughs> she she tells her husband that she's got to go to the bakery and she's off to the bakery so i guess that's code for her to go to get suit up as yeah. a cop right yeah uh, oh yeah and and all their kids are white yeah which was uh, interesting to me that yeah i like none uh, of their kids at first it's kind of weird because yeah. it's like it's kind of out of nowhere but I think it's like a play on liberal yuppie people like adopting African kids or whatever. It's like flipped around on its head. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so like I think that's that's probably uh, what it's what it's getting at. So yeah. There's so many little racial things. Yeah. Um, it all ties together this really well. episode. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. All right, and then we get to the next scene yeah. where we, um, you know, she's going to her bakery. Uh, a lot of little interesting Easter eggs, right? We see this blimp with uh, the American hero story. We're hearing some guy like over a speaker talk about this, you know, new TV event called, you know, with this title. It's about the Minutemen. We see a bus uh-huh. drive by, which has like hooded justice, you know, plast- plastered on it. Uh-huh. You think you think it's a Ryan Murphy show, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it almost seems like right, right. It, it almost it's seems like those. there's different American hero stories, but this is the one about mm-hmm. the Minutemen, right? Yeah, I was thinking the exact right, same right, thing. Right. It's totally like this commentary about how how we have all these like and now uh, you know 
uh, anthology series now, right? It's right, just right. yeah, that's so funny. Uh, and then while she's walking, and then you also see this guy like it's he's like right in your face, right? This guy's like waving mm. a sign that says the future is bright. I think this is an yeah, homage yeah. to Rorschach, right? Because he holds a sign. Yeah, that he's says, like, oh, the end, the end is nigh. When, and has like and has like Walter Kovacs uh, uh, persona. persona. Yeah. Yeah, and then we see um, a, a man holding a, a newspaper up, and it says Veidt officially declared dead. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, which we saw in the trailer, and, and the same man is in, in a wheelchair, and he asks, you know, hey, is this your bakery? When is it going to open? And then he also asks yeah. this really weird question to Regina King's character: "He's like, do you think yeah, I can lift two hundred pounds? pounds?" Yeah, and uh, so that's weird. And she's like, she's like, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so she heads into the bakery, crazy, which is you know definitely a front for her, her, you know, her sister night her, like lair super superhero yeah. lair yeah. yeah her cave or yeah. whatever you want to call it yeah. and she puts in a code 1985 uh-huh. do you know why yeah. it's 85 I, I thought it would be 86 maybe for like as a nod to the, the watchman, the watchman I but i don't know why it's 85 i don't know maybe it's like when alan Moore was writing it i don't know maybe yeah <laughs> um and then you know she you know there's this kind of scene where she's you know putting on her outfit and then she's driving her 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 car to this trailer park which we call we find out it's called nixonville and we see this statue mm-hmm. of like nixon you know with his very double symbolic yeah double yeah, p yeah, signs yeah, yeah. at the front and uh you know she just walks into this guy's or he basically kicks in the door to this guy's trailer and then knocks him out and then mm-hmm. next scene is like we get we move into the precinct right mm-hmm. and uh this is uh, where oh, so sorry, this whole this whole sequence is really fucking cool i really liked it I, I really got some uh, some like Night Rider vibes. Yeah, uh, and part of it's like due to the score. So like uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, they're responsible for the soundtrack. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's a really good get because I I think it's it's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't know, they did uh, Trent Reznor's from the band Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm. But they also did the score for uh, for the social network. Oh, sure. That's where he got uh, to start, right? Favorite, yeah, one of my yeah, favorite movies yeah. too. Like so, like their pairing is really, really neat, and and yeah. I can't wait to see what else they do with with this series. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, but this whole sequence is cool. Like she's like putting on her flowing cape, putting on her mask, and then she's like zooming off to Nixonville to like get this guy or whatever. Yeah. Like, she kicks him in the door and she like immediately knocks it's him out. Just knocks him out. No questions. Punch, yeah. No like here's your rights. I'm just going to knock uh-huh. you out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then so, so like, yeah. this this sets up like an interesting dichotomy, right? Like again, it's like mixed racial messaging. Oh right? yeah. Like uh um, doesn't have to read him his rights or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean like this is clearly police brutality, right? It's like Yeah. Uh, it's completely extrajudicial, and we see we see another le- we see another level of that later in another scene. yeah like in the in the scene like afterwards right yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a couple scenes later yeah so like she's like beating the literal piss and blood out of him so it's like uh, it's really interesting because she's black the guy is white um, and like I think Lindelof needs to like really balance on this tightrope a little she doesn't want to make the cops like too sympathetic and he doesn't want to make like the the white supremacists too sympathetic because like mm-hmm. you're kind of veering to the the side of the the seventh cavalry right because like, yeah they're they're clearly being like oppressed by the police in this manner well i think I that's i think that's why the this the the i guess the opening of the the show was pretty strong too like definitely established yeah. that this seventh cavalry is not 
they're not good. They, they you know, straight yeah, up just yeah, kills yeah. a cop or yeah. tries to kill a cop. So, yeah. in, in, in a way, it's partly justified what she's doing. But at the same time, I, I see what you're saying. They're leaning towards, like, she's not she's not taking the most righteous way to do this, yeah. too. Especially I mean, in that next scene be, that we see. And you have to be careful because, like, right now, the police brutality is, like, a real issue in, yeah. in the country, you mm-hmm. know? So, like, it's walking a fine line, but it's 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 interesting. All right. So, so the yeah. next scene, yeah. Yeah, so the next thing we, we, uh, we get to this kind of police gathering. They're all kind of sitting in this, uh, like, I don't know what this is. It's almost like this... Uh, I don't know what you call it when it's, it's, it's almost, like a police briefing. Yeah, but it's like a little like theater where they're all like facing each other. It's like a forum yeah, where so they're facing each other, which is really interesting. They're all wearing masks, and most of the cops are African American. I think. Yeah, like a lot of the cops are African American. Yeah. That or um, they're of not they're not white, right? Or they're white, they're not but white. not they're not yeah, American, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like we see red. We you know we this is kind of where we meet Red, and he's I, you know I'm guessing he's a Russian, and then we meet yeah pirate jenny his his uh his full name is uh the red scare just kind of which is kind of got it nice um yeah so we 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 see this kind of gathering we see this video that's being broadcasted or i guess sent to the the police by the seventh cavalry seventh cavalry and then uh, i love it because he uses the propaganda video yeah like a propaganda video and i love it because at some point he he uses the line you know soon all the whores and race traitors will shout save us and we will whisper no which is yeah, always basically one of my favorite lines. Quote. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of my favorite lines from the comic, mm-hmm. and then I think is you know amazingly delivered in the movie. And uh, you know, things we learn in this is that you know they're planning something, right? Some something right. Um, going on that they think it's going to happen soon. Um, you know, we learn that it's been three years since the last incident, so that's maybe when the um, the White Knight um, attack yeah, happened. The... Um, we get to attack. see a bunch of different mass heroes now, right? We we we've already met LG, we've met Knight, but now we finally get to see this panda character, which is hilarious because it's the guy who's just wearing a big panda helmet. He's like a slob, <laughs> slobby fat yeah. dude with a with a beat up panda head on him. I mean, it kind of reminds me of I don't know Dead Mao or so. You know what I mean, Dead Mao? Yeah. And... Well, like he he he's like one of those like Times Square yeah. dress up people. Yeah. Um, but we yeah we but get like, to meet Red. Yeah. Uh, we meet uh, a character named Pirate Jenny, uh, which we'll get mm-hmm. to see more later. So yeah. um, definitely Panda. You know, Panda's the person we heard at the beginning of the episode. He seems definitely yeah. confrontational when it comes to all these cops. You know, wanting to willy nilly have guns again. Yeah, and like you could see that in the opening scene. Right? Opening scene too. Like, yeah, he's like grilling the cop on like whether the the use of the firearm is, yeah. is warranted or not. And then he opens um, this like ridiculously giant like comical book of rules. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah. "Okay, well, you know, if if everyone here feels in distress, then you know we can do a twenty four hour release of the ban." And you know he, you know the the chief kind of panders to to LG, he panders to Red, he panders to all the cops, and he's like, "Well, looks like everyone's in distress. Everyone thinks they need the guns, yeah. so I'm going to authorize the release of the guns." Um, yeah. And then, Panda's like, "You're you're making a mistake." And then yeah, and then uh, Chief says the really interesting line, it, "Well, it'll be my funeral, <laughs> or it's my funeral," which is you know um, if you stick stay, watch the whole episode, it's definitely a nod to or a foreshadow of what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and the last interesting tidbit to end this kind of gathering, he use he says the, I'm gonna butcher this. Uh, no, he's like uh, Chris Custodian Ipsos Custodes. Yes, thank you, um, thank you for letting, with, you saying it. I, and not I, took, I took I took Latin. In okay, school, thank so. you. <laughs> so, uh, which uh, means uh, what? What is it? The literal translation? I wrote it down. Um, uh, it's like who guards? Who guards those who that guards guards themselves yeah. or whatever? Yeah. And then all the cops and. Uh, 
answer with the nos custodimas. Nos custodimas. Yeah. Um, so, which I'm guessing. So means it means like we, it means we, we uphold. Oh, okay. Um, so so it kind of it's like yeah we 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 will watch or whatever. Got it. Which got it. Is got it. Got it. Kind of what it means. See, I got you. Yeah, please. Oh, God. Your... No, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I don't need to do that. <laughs> so that's, yeah. and that's a, a nod again to the comics because that's where the phrase who, you know, that's where our name comes from, right? Who watches the Watchmen, mm-hmm. right? Is basically mm-hmm. a take on this this Latin phrase. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then uh, the scene uh, moves into, I guess, what looks like Chief's office where Angela is mm-hmm. waiting for him. Um, interesting tidbit. She's drinking uh, um, something out of an from a, owl cup. from an owl mug. Yeah, so that's. Really I don't. Interesting. I don't know. Is that is that licensed merch? I don't know. Oh if yeah, it, they should make it. <laughs> but yeah, and then uh, and back in the previous scene and then in this scene, um, Chief mentions something called you know Article Four, which I guess is maybe the rule that is like the lifting of the the, the firearms. Yeah, of the firearms. And then yeah. you know Regina King says, you know, well, don't worry about that. I got a guy in my trunk already. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then you know, and then Chief asks, like, "Well, should we put him in the pod?" Or is it Regina yeah. King who asks, "Should we put him in the pod?" Uh, yeah, should we put him on the pod? And I really like the dialogue in this. It's very like uh, detective noir ish. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, she kind of says uh, that like kind of corny. She's like, line. "I've got a, I've got a yeah. nose for white supremacy, and he smells like bleach." Yeah, it's a really, really cool, cool little line. Yeah. Um, also, interesting Easter egg here. Uh, Judd has a. Hollis Mason's book on his desk. Yeah, under the hood. Um, under the hood. So Which, he's reading. Uh, who Hollis Mason is? If you if you guys don't remember from the graphic novel, he's a uh, he's the first night owl. Mm-hmm. So he's a uh, Dan Dan Dryberg's predecessor. Yeah, um, and he wrote a book, basically kind yeah. of an expose of his time during as yeah, part of the Minutemen. And mm-hmm. and you know that's how it's kind of exposed that you know uh, Miss Jupiter was assaulted by the comedian and so it's it's yeah it's it's definitely part of the watchman lore a big part of the watchman lore yeah yeah so you know we move into the scene where we get to go see this pod right which i don't know maybe my favorite kind of scene uh sequence interrogation Yeah, yeah i loved it where he's like in there he's wearing that mask and he's asking this this guy oh so they take the guy out of the trunk the guy who's at the trailer park and put him in this pod and you know the um, looking glasses interrogating him, kind of basically asking him very easy questions, quote unquote easy mm-hmm. questions that he can easily lie about. And he's being shown a bunch of images, and all looking glasses trying to do is trying to see the, I guess, the ticks or the signs off his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, what's really interesting is all the images that they show. Like yeah, so it's like oh man, there's so many. It's like all racially charged imagery or like but it also gives a little bit of a background of like this world like again i'm i'm into this world building right we see nixon is on mount rushmore oh okay i've i didn't even pay attention to the the actual oh yeah like the second time i mean i watched this episode okay yeah yeah go and like the second time around i just noticed all these so we see nixon is on mount rushmore we see an image of a a large squid monster and i wonder if it's the act like an image of the actual monster yeah, yeah. I um, mean, we yeah. see a bunch of just like every, in, you know, it's kind of interlude and cut with Rorschach images, random Rorschach images. I believe I see Donald Trump somewhere in there. You know, and oh, we really? see, okay. um, of course, you know, there's a uh, near I'll the end. To, I'll have to watch this. Yeah, near the end, then. we see like yeah. the, the swastika. So it's all these kind of like, mm-hmm. like you said, racially charged, racially charged images, but also just like these mm-hmm. Easter eggs about this world. 
or this mm-hmm. kind of universe, or this kind of like comic world that we're living in now. So it's, yeah. it's and really, then, really, and then he like peppers the questioning with like the one question that he keeps asking is like, "Are you a member of, or do you associate oh, with, with members the, the of, Seventh of the white supremacist yeah. organization known as Seventh Cavalry?" And like it's interesting because like the subtitles spell cavalry with a K. Yeah, I noticed um, that too because so I, I watched it. So supposed to yeah. give you more like uh, KKK vibes, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm, yeah, um, and and it's it's interesting because. The Seventh Cavalry, they've they've obviously co-opted Rorschach's aesthetic with like the ink blot mask. And, yeah. So like this is what what I was talking about with like Rorschach in the graphic novel of like not being a hero. He's he's like racist and misogynist, but he's not like to the extent of like white supremacy, like not at all, right? But his his way of thinking, like his warped sense of objectivism. You can take that and apply it to like something like white supremacy, where you think that is the right thing, and mm-hmm. you can totally use that as your own agenda. Your justification for your cause. It's, yeah, it's justification for the evils that you're committing, right? Yes. So like this this seventh cavalry thing like makes me think that Damon Lindelof and like all the writers they they're fully aware of the themes of of what Alan Moore is going for in, mm-hmm. in the graphic novel and. It gives me a lot of faith in like what they're what they're doing here. Um, so yeah, the last bit of this scene yeah. is that you know they, they escort the man. Um, you know, they're, it's really funny because they're apologetic and they're like, "Oh, we're so sorry. You know, please don't take this in any wrong way." Yeah. And then they just shove him oh, into uh, a they, room. They also they also ask, uh, "Should all Americans pay taxes?" Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so that's another that's that's probably a red Fredations, right? So like oh. the red Fredations are probably like they forgave black people don't have to pay taxes anymore. Um, oh. So like that's probably one of the things that the Seventh Cavalry they they hate, right? So like that's one of the questions that that's like a baseline test for their for this uh, interrogation. I I would be interested to see if that that pans out or if yeah. that's if that we find out that that's true. So yeah, he yeah. he gets taken into this room, he gets beat up by Sister Knight, and yeah. you know um, we get he basically they get the information that they need out of him that the yeah the, that he they need to go to this place called Cattle Ranch. Which leads into our next um, scene, which is this kind of night raid on this cattle ranch, which is really cool because you get to see like there's all these like cows just kind of meandering yeah. and they're moving through the cows. They have their guns now because they've been authorized, and yeah, you know they so... they have surveillance on them, right? They can see them. Yeah, Abar, Abar, and uh, and Red Scare. They're they're like con- conducting the ground operation. They're like with some random cops on. too, right? Yeah, yeah, some random cops. Yeah, they're all wearing Judd. red shirts. <laughs> yeah. yeah clearly uh and and judd and uh who is it Py- pirate jenny pirate jenny are... i think you only get that from the subtitle oh yeah that's sorry name, we, yeah right? i think you can't they, they never in any part of the show say her name is pirate say jenny it's just name. when it yeah. says you know when we read the subtitles it's like, like pirate jenny and, and then the her credits, line yeah, so we know that it's pirate jenny because of that yeah so they're they're conducting surveillance somewhere else it's like uh a closed room with monitors and you don't know where they are at first yeah right um and then here's where the seventh cavalry members are they're like removing the illegal watch batteries yeah um they don't say anything about it but they're just removing the, the batteries, batteries and putting them into this bag um, and then yeah. you know they also have surveillance and so they know the cops are coming and they all kind of get handed a pill and we'll find out what that is later um they they move and and i guess they bring this truck that has the Straight up Gatling gun on it, mounted it's on like it. A machine gun. Machine yeah, gun. It's like a belt, belt fed yeah. gun or whatever. With, um, and then uh, while two, like I think three of them or two of them are assaulting the cops, there's another two trying to escape on a plane. Yeah. 
in like an old plane. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they like pull the sheet off the plane and it's like it's like a plane hidden in the barn or something. Yeah. Like that. So uh, you know, uh, a, a firefight ensues. Um, you know, when they yeah. were trying to reload the the Gatling gun, that's when you know Sister Knight makes her her move and you know kills these guys chases one guy yeah. back into the barn or trailer or i think it's yeah. a trailer they fight and then it's revealed that she has you know um he has a pill in his mouth and he has a pill it's like a cyanide basically pill. yeah like a cyanide pill um uh, there was an interesting I thought, oh sorry go ahead yeah no i i thought it was funny that they're just killing all this cattle willy-nilly like cattle's expensive isn't yeah it? like well, you're just but I read an interview with the director of the, the episode, Nicole Nicole Castle, mm-hmm. um, and she was saying like, "Oh, I think people are like desensitized by people on people violence now, mm-hmm. and like if you throw like an animal? animals in there um, who are like completely innocent, haven't done anything, like it really like sells the violence of the scene or whatever." Well, I thought that was really interesting, and that that's um, partially like the most gruesome thing yeah. you see in this whole. Yeah, it pilot. is the most gruesome. Like. All these the cows, like, like cows exploding. are just exploding, yeah, yeah. and they're like yeah, guts yeah, yeah. and bits everywhere. So yeah, it's definitely the most violent thing you see in the the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, did you notice the interesting kind of poster on on uh, on the wall? There's like a poster of like Dollar Bill with like these like black kids, and I didn't know what that was about. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't see that. I didn't catch yeah, that if anyone knows too. what that's about, or maybe can explain that to me, you know, write us an yeah, email. Yeah, shoot us. Shoot us an email. Uh, and then we we get uh, the plane takes off. You know, the two that actually get on the plane, they take yeah. off. And they're like, oh, shit, what are they going to do? And then we find out that Chief and Pirate Jenny and, and are Jenny. actually in, I don't know. Is it is it Night Owl ship or is it a version of Night, Night Owl ship? ship? Or it's like a government version of, of Archie? Which is but, like I mean, it's got the flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, it's got the flamethrowers. And they, that's how they, they take down the plane. plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, um, they clearly they clearly suck at piloting it though because they they crash the the thing. Uh, Sister Knight, she's like real scared. Like yeah. they're they're dead, but like they both turn out to be fine. And then this is where we uh, get, and then the next scene we kind of get into is this is kind of for, for the first time the the scene the episode kind of takes a left turn a little bit, and now we kind of we get introduced. Yeah, to Jeremy it's like Irons. the disruption of the of like the, the flow, right? The, flow, the flow's right? been really nice of like kind of like piggybacking yeah. on tail ending yeah, and now, beginning with the Now it's just like complete left turn yeah. into this Jeremy Irons scene. Very very weird. Yeah. Um so he I guess he owns this kind of castle or manor. He has servants. He He's riding this horse, and the next thing we see him, he's just riding on a typewriter, and mm-hmm. he's naked. He's being massaged by one of the one of the, right, the right. or the maid, and then uh, you know we find out the, that the maid's the maid's name is uh, is Crookshanks, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think the male servant is is named here. Not here. Uh, oh, oh, isn't that Mister Phillips? Oh, Mr. Phillips, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, those are the two um, kind of servants we meet. But there's also a third one, I think, but we don't name him. Yeah, he's, like, outside tending to the horse or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then we, you know, we we get the scene where he there's also, he's celebrating something. He gets this, like, purple and yellow cake, which is... It's like his birthday. Well, he says, they say it's his anniversary. Oh, his anniversary. Which, right. I don't know. Uh, is I don't know, I don't know if that's is. an English term or if that's just, it's supposed to be weird. Right, yeah, where yeah, someone yeah. would anybody else would call it a birthday, or is it not a birthday? But yeah, yeah specifically they so, use the word anniversary. So these these servants clearly aren't like human. I want to say because well, yeah, he gives them a, a horseshoe to try to cut to the, cut the cake, cut the cake. And, and he's like, oh, that's a horseshoe or whatever. Yeah. 
So the idea is that this is Ozymandias. This is Adrian Vate, right? Yeah. But I don't know. Do you, do you want me to go into my weird fucking theory about this? Let's. We'll go into um, theories later. I, I have a theory, and okay, I think right, you have right, a theory. Right. Uh, okay. We'll go into it. Uh, but, you know, uh, we did see him writing on a typewriter, and I think that's, you know, it leads into the him saying that, oh, he's writing, yeah, a, play, he's writing a play, a five-act tragedy called, you know, The Watchmaker's the, Son. The Watchmaker's Son, which is a direct reference to uh, John Osterman, who or is Dr. Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan who's, whose father was a was a watchmaker. So, And then uh, uh, this scene leads into, um, well, well this, this is a nice, I love this kind of... Um, this transition, this the transition. match cut, where... Uh, yeah. where Jeremy Irons and the servants they they cheers with glasses and then it match cuts into a dinner party where it's Judd and his wife and then uh, Angela and her husband and their family right eating um, dinner and their their family so like you get a real sense of camaraderie like they're really close knit relationship um, well I also love I mean it's a match cut but I also love that you know he the last one the last thing he says is like I'm you know I'm gonna write this play called the watchmaker's son and then when you see yeah. the next cut it looks like oh it looks like a watch it looks like the inner yeah, innards like of the... a watch which i thought was yeah. so clever and so beautifully yeah done. that was cool yeah i almost i almost forgot to mention that yeah yeah, yeah. so um and then you know we see chief leave and i guess he snorts something we don't know why yeah, yeah, yeah. or I mean, we know he's, like he's, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's snorting it's it's cocaine cocaine or something um, I yeah. think everyone knows what he was doing. Oh yeah, too, but like they just don't. Oh say yeah, anything. like Angela yeah. sees it and just like, hey, yeah, you might yeah, want to wipe that. Later, his gotta, wife yeah. is like, hey, you had some extra juice tonight. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, everyone yeah. knows, and everyone's like, cool with it. Very casual. Yeah, uh, and then um, you know it goes into the scene about you know <laughs> you know Angela ditching them and and having this you know reason for not showing up at the play that they were watching earlier, and that's what the two mm-hmm. empty seats were for. The, um, the Oklahoma black yeah, black Oklahoma black Oklahoma Oklahoma scene, and then and, <laughs> Angela's like, "You don't get to call it that." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was from earlier. But yeah, but then uh, was, you know, and then we learned that his character can sing, which you know he's a really nice singing voice. Yeah, and he's really sweet with Angela's kids. Yeah, um, he's like singing and dancing with them. Um, and then did you did you notice uh, that like it's like right around when he starts singing, and then it you start to hear this. Uh, yeah, yeah it was like the TikTok, TikTok, yeah. Like, yeah, clock yeah. ticking noise, uh, which kind of and and that just keeps going into the next scene. It doesn't stop when the scene stops. It goes into the next scene where now Chief and and, and Regina King's character is outside talking, and that's this yeah. is where they've revealed the, all the information about the batteries that we we're talking about, uh, and, and you know, uh, this is where we learn that you know they were they're farming old watch batteries and these batteries are synthetic lithium that made mm-hmm. people sick right yeah and then the next scene was really interesting right this is another kind of really kind of jarring switch where we're now seeing this like weirdly animated feature and, and we learn that this is an advertisement for the 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 tv oh, show for the the tv show the tv uh, event right that we we uh, american uh hero story, story. Uh, the Minutemen, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's great because we see this kind of um, animation where they move through all... They, they, it looks like they're crawling along a table and we see all the names of all the... The reflections, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. reflections of the people and we see all the names that we you know we recognize, like the comedian, um, Captain yeah. Metropolis, you know, Mothman, Dollar Bill, mm-hmm. Silk Spectre, yeah. and then Night Owl, right? And then... Yeah, yeah. So that's really interesting. And we, we realize that, you know, it, this, it, this is playing on the TV while... Um, Chief and his wife are talking, mm-hmm. and um, and then 
chief, I guess, um, gets a call. Is it a, gets a call? Yeah, he yeah, gets he a gets call. A call. And it says, you know, that the, the cop has woken up and then he needs to leave. And he specifically lies to his wife and says that, you know, I'll just have one of my guys take me. But we find out that. Yeah, he goes by he himself. He goes by himself. Um, yeah. Yeah. And another, another weird thing, I don't know if you caught, like, right at the end of the scene, there's just this really ominous picture of a man and his son. And I don't know what. The, yeah, I don't know what the deal with that is. That's another one where we, I don't I don't think we have clues yet. and It, it focused yeah. on it, like, just long enough yeah. that, like, oh, that's important. That's important that we might. I don't know what it is. You know is. what it really reminds me of, though? It's, yeah. like, the, the picture. Do you watch um, Westworld? Yeah, 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 it was that really important picture in like the first season. It just reminds me of that where yeah. like they just linger yeah. too long on this picture. So let's remember it's this like, oh, picture, everybody. It's clearly something. Yeah. yeah. And then so uh, next scene, we're we're kind of culminating to the to the end of the this episode. Chief is driving. Mm-hmm. Um, you, this is where we learned that on the radio. I think they were talking about Robert Redford and how he's been uh, president for thirty years. And then as he's mm-hmm. driving, all of a sudden his tires blow out. Right. Mm-hmm. Gets out of the car. He looks back and looks like someone's laid out these. It's like uh, the 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 caltrops it's like the yeah those like it's like the what the cops use to like blow out the tires yeah whenever you see in a movie when a cop like throws these like chains on the ground yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and then he you know Uh, chief hears this noise he turns around he sees a really bright light yeah and then we get flashes and it flashes to uh regina king and (laughs) and uh, and her husband and and, uh, you know having sex in a closet yeah because you know grown people can't have i guess grown people kids can't have sex in our bed Uh, (laughs) and you you hear a call right as they're you know she's you know they're trying to have sex and and she hears this phone call and then you know the husband's like well we should pick this up or else the kids are going to wake up and they're going to find they're going to be like why is nobody picking up this phone um so she gets a call and it's uh, from a man who says you know um i know who you are um you yeah. you should come you know are you angela abar is your father marcus abar so now we know her father's name which you know we probably should remember mm-hmm. um he says hey come to the old oak tree on Roland hill and you know don't wear your mask mm-hmm. because i know who you are anyway so it's like whoa okay like that she's on high alert and then she does this really cool trick where she like lays down the bed hits her headrest and like a shotgun's there right yeah you're like so yeah, she's she, like, she's ready it open and yeah like so she's uh, ready yeah. and then she goes like to her fireplace and there's a gun there too so like you know another kind of world building thing like hey man something ha- something shitty happened you know and now any you know she's ready for another attack if she needs to be mm-hmm. uh, uh and then we get into pretty much our last scene where yeah, we she's, she's driving, driving to this tree um as yeah. she's driving oh, actually she, oh, go ahead. while she's driving it's like on the radio um it said that joe keen jr is running for president um and that is a reference to the keen act from from watch watchman oh okay um, i didn't catch that thank so you so i believe it was the president before nixon uh so joe keen senior he's the one who enacted the keen act which outlawed all superheroes and, and costume vigilantes or whatever so now his son is running for president i guess got it um so it's interesting yeah so Another another little Easter egg there, um, and then she gets to this tree, and yeah, before she even she gets see? to the tree, she sees the bright light too. Yeah, the bright light. She gets out of her car and says, "Hey, turn it off, or I'll shoot." It, you know, yeah. turns it off, and then we we see that it's the man in the wheelchair that we recognize from before, uh-huh. and now he is also holding the note that says from the beginning of the note saying, "You know, please watch after this child." 
So after this boy, I, I, yeah, yeah, after this boy. So I'm, I'm. So he's clearly he's the, the boy, the boy from the from the yes. beginning of the episode. And then um, you know we see it. it. This is really cool shot. It goes from the the chair, and it follows the rope, you know, up the tree, and then uh, up and you know, and it goes down the rope, and we that's where we see you know Don Johnson's character Chief is being hung. Mm-hmm. He's dead. Yeah, he's been he's and been then, hanged. Yeah, and then it follows, uh-huh. you know, follows down his leg, and then we see the blood. Or we see the the badge on the ground, and then we see a blood right. drop drop on it, just like, you know, a, a nod again to the button with the the blood on it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a big uh, callback to to the iconic logo of of Watchmen, but instead it's on a on a police badge. So again, this is another one of those like racially charged images, right? Because like. It's clearly a, like a, a lynching, but like it's a it's a white police captain. It's very upsetting to watch, you know. It like, is. We spent like a whole episode with with this guy, and and they got Don Johnson to play him, and now now he's dead. Well, and the song that plays over it is uh, "Poor Judd is Dead." Yeah, <laughs> um, from Oklahoma. Yeah, and Judd in Oklahoma is also a character. Uh, Named Judd, um, and he's the villain of of the play, the oh, Broadway musical. So. I did not know that. That's good to yeah. know. Yeah. So yeah, I I love it because it it's very reminiscent to you know the comic because you know the comedian very early yeah, right yeah. you know this is the very first episode you know the very first thing that we see in the comic is you know the comedian's death and that's where we get the iconic button with the the blood on it and. And right. it, it's this kind of what we believe is a hero that dies, right? Right at the beginning of, mm-hmm. of the comic. And this is a hero that right at the beginning of the show dies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, although yeah. although uh, Judd is more sympathetic than, than comedian. Yeah, 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 yes, uh, yes. He's a much nicer guy than... Well, than, we'll find out, right? Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find yeah, out. Yeah, maybe maybe he's got some skeletons. Yeah. Knows. All right, so th- this would, you know, brings us to the end of the episode. This is what we've already, we've seen so far. So let's... I want yeah. I want to get into some theory. So this is based on kind of what we think or what we've seen from the show. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't want to hear, I know there's some people that absolutely don't want to hear. Th- do not want to theories. hear theories. Uh, yeah. So uh, what we'll do is, um, if 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 you want to maybe skip ahead a couple minutes, you know, we won't take too long on these theories, um, and then you know we'll, we'll that's when we'll give our tags and and you know. Well, you can you can just treat this as the the end of the. The podcast episode if you don't want to hear more conjecture or okay yeah so yeah well, well let's right? do that what um, so where can people find you then um jeff if they want to find more of your work you can find me at strange harbors um it's my film blog pop culture blog it's www.strangeharbors.com and you can find me on twitter and instagram at strange harbors um, and what about you derek so people can find me also at uh, twitter and instagram at the tag the wrong dig dig spelled d-a-y-i-k i also host another podcast so this is our you know who watches the watchman is kind of our uh, tv podcast but i also host another podcast that focuses mainly on on movies and movie trailers and that's called the film trailers podcast so you can definitely find that on you know pretty much all the major uh, podcast platforms so uh if if you're kind of leaving us uh, now because you don't want any spoilers potential spoilers or any known theories um then you know we invite you to you know email us if you have any you know questions or comments uh on anything we've said so far and that's at uh, who watches the podcast at gmail.com we hopefully yeah. stick with us and, and 
and and tune in for our next episode but you know we'll we'll leave you here if you don't want to hear theories but yeah let's yeah. let's get so, into our theories. so another i mean another thing is i will actually not be here uh oh yes for episode two unfortunately um but fortunately my my wife is uh is giving birth so we are planning to induce labor on sunday so i will be delivering <laughs> my first child instead of watching Watchmen this Sunday. That's that's a but, pretty good excuse. Uh, <laughs> yes. Derek, fortunately, he will not be alone. My my good friend, uh, Amir Ture, he will be joining him instead. And he's just as knowledgeable as I am. And you guys are in good hands. So Derek will be joined by, by Amir next week. So... Um, I'm looking forward to it, man. He sounds like he yeah, knows yeah. a lot too. So, okay, let's let's yeah. get into our theories. Yes. Um, my mine yes. actually is it's pretty much kind of tied to this this ending. Um, mm-hmm. So what I think is that, and, and this is these are all kind of little hints that I've picking up, right? Like we we see the the owl mug that Angela's drinking in the office of the chief. We see that mm-hmm. the chief has, you know, Hollis Mason's book. Right. Um, we also nowhere in the trailers has it hinted where Dan is, right? Like every other character, like we've we've known, like we've seen Doctor Manhattan, right, mm-hmm. on the TV. We know that um, uh, Laurie Blake is going to be introduced as an FBI investigator. Right. We see Jeremy Irons is he's supposed to be Ozymandias, but we have no indication of where Dan is. My theory is that, and this comes from the comic, so. If you've watched the TV, again, another reason to read the comic. If you've watched the movie, um, it it totally doesn't include the storyline. But in the comics, there's a storyline where a cop finds out who Dan is. And it w- is going to arrest him for being Night Owl. But, mm. he, you know, he gets away and he has to create an alter ego, basically. By the end of the comic, he has to become right. somebody else. So my theory is that this is Chief. Chief is Dan. Right, mm. and that this this just like the comic, the show is being kicked off by the the death of a superhero, right? Okay. Of a masked All right, okay. hero. I don't I don't want to I don't want to blow up your theory on this. Oh, spot. okay. Um, but there's actually supplemental material for the episode on HBO's official site, and it's kind of hidden. It's called uh. If you go to hbo.com slash pdpedia, P-E-T-E-Y-P-E-D-I-A, mm-hmm. it's supplemental material for every episode. So like episode one already has files. So in one of the files, it talks about the fate of Dan Dryberg. Oh. Um, so he's actually still in prison. Oh, so so my theory is wrong, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's a good theory. It's cool theory. Yeah, um, just because so, I wanted. I mean, I was thinking like, how does he relate this back to the comic? And like, you know, yeah, we learned that you know this this comedian or this person that gets thrown out of a window later is a superhero. So like, I was trying to think like, oh, maybe Chief at one point was a superhero. Yeah, yeah. and then like the 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 big question throughout this episode is like what happened to Rorschach's journal mm, mm-hmm. right like did did it get released did the new frontiersman you know the newspaper that received the journal did they publish it and this supplemental material answers that question oh um, it's called memo colon Rorschach's journal so 
I guess Pedipedia is like a reference to who wrote these memos. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an anti vigilante task force officer named Agent Dale Petey. So the subject is Adrian Vate and Rorschach. So it's talking about um, Rorschach's journal and and what happened. The memo it starts by saying, "Let me be plain. I wish to state for the record that it would be a mistake to terminate the search for Adrian Vate and declare him deceased." Mm-hmm. Um, so he's talking about like the whole conspiracy, Got um, and and it says that it was actually released the the journal, mm-hmm. but no one took it seriously because like the New Frontiersman was like a a crackpot oh. journal anyway, and then so like people pretty much like swept it under the rug Got or it. whatever. Like everyone should. Oh take yeah, a look I'm gonna definitely have to take a look at this stuff now. Material, it's it's really cool. Yeah, um, and we'll try. I guess we'll try. To, we can always link it in our show notes. Yeah, too. we can link it. We can link it. Um, um, let's let's get into your theory then, because you told me about it, and I actually really like this theory too. In all the promotional material, they're very coy about who Jeremy Irons is portraying. Um, everyone's assuming he's playing Ozymandias, right? But I have a theory that he's actually playing Doctor Manhattan because there's like a clear parallel between um the castle that dr manhattan is building on mars and the castle that uh jeremy irons character is 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 uh inhabiting in the in his one and only scene in the first episode i i mean i don't want this theory to be true actually because i think i think jeremy irons is like pitch perfect casting for for ozymandias but like there are a lot of like little parallels like uh, Dr. Manhattan wanted to create life. He's comfortable being naked. The whole watchmaker's son parallel. And this goes back to um, like the, the the servants being like weirdly awkward, like not knowing yeah, anything. Super, it's almost like they're kids. Yeah, like they're kids. Yeah, like they're his yeah. kids that he says, you know, he's proud of and he's creating stuff for them. It, it yeah. does seem like it's something that you know, he treats them like they're his kids or his creations. Yeah. 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 So yeah, this, like, this theory definitely... Yeah sounds good to me i'm interested to see if it pans out yeah yeah um because like damon lindelof he's always saying in like interviews and stuff he's like uh oh you know who he's playing he's playing who you think he is or whatever but he'll never come out and actually say it and neither will jeremy irons so it's kind of weird like mm. if everyone everyone just knows who he's playing they just say it right but yeah. like it's almost uh, like he's letting like you very, he's letting you very just fill HBO, the void yeah. yeah hbo type rug pull maybe but I think that's that's all my speculation for this, all right. this episode. Well, uh, uh, so we, I think uh, we gave a good recap. Yeah, yeah. So definitely join, yeah. I guess, me and Amir next week, and hopefully Jeff will be able to join us for yeah, the episode sure. after. But if you liked it, please uh, again go you know go to Apple Podcasts and you know give us a nice star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. You know, write please a review. Write, write a little review. Yeah. Uh, subscribe to us wherever you you get your podcasts. And again, we've already given our tags and our in the email. Um, for so all i guess uh, we'll have to say is um you know we'll see you guys next time yeah see you see you next time see everyone in two weeks uh you'll see derek and amir next week <laughs>